We're trying to impose some order and coordination on a system that is inherently designed to get us siloed. In my analysis, the single step that we could take to make our city better would be to reform our commission form of government. We just got to get this done. If we don't, we are literally doomed to the status quo. I would like to make a few comments. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We see Americans hating each other, fighting each other, killing each other at home. There is a religious war going on in this country. It is a cultural war. This war is for the soul of America. Because of the way this society is organized, you have to expect that there are going to be such explosions. Our side, our side, our side. We are a people in a quandary about the present. We are a people in search of our future. And as we see and hear these things, millions of Americans cry out in anguish. Did we come all this way for this? It all seems a long way from a time when politics was a national passion and sometimes even fun. a larger scale to fulfill the promise of America. We are met here as Americans, not as Democrats or Republicans, to solve that problem. Welcome to the Pothole Problem Podcast. I'm your co-host, Zane Emerson. And I'm your other co-host, Jack Miller. This episode, we speak to Portland City Commissioner Mingus Maps, who was elected just about a year ago. Our conversation ranges pretty far and wide, but we do talk an awful lot about revising and reforming the Portland City Charter. And I know that, Zane, political reform is a big topic that you like to talk about a lot. And why is that? I just think that it's important to remain optimistic and driven to change the system rather than to sort of cynically assume that a system can't change just to work with it. I think it's important to maintain a progressive, change-oriented mindset. And I will confess that I sometimes cynically assume that the system itself can't change, and we just have to work within the kind of ugly politics that we have with us. So I'm happy to begin to add more balance and think about how we can actually make our political system better. I think that sounds great, and I think that's exactly uh, what you should be doing. I'm happy that even at a slightly higher age you're able to change your views on this because not many people would be able to okay well rather than talk about my age let's just jump right into the interview i'm on a zoom call right now with portland city commissioner mingus maps thank you for joining the show this week mingus oh i'm glad to be here jack thanks for inviting me can i call you mingus or do you prefer to be called commissioner maps i would prefer that you call me mingus you have been a city commissioner now for just under a year What are some of the things that you've found surprising about this job that you didn't expect when you ran for office? Oh, gosh. You know, I I had worked in local politics before I got here. I'm actually a political scientist by training. So I used to be in the classroom um, like you. So I was I was familiar with this space. And also I worked for local government before I got this job, worked directly with many uh, city commissioners. So I had a sense of what the day-to-day was like. I probably underappreciated both how much work it is. Like I work seven days a week, probably 10 hours a day, and I'm probably not the person on council who works the most. Uh, So it really is a grind. Also, it's a big job, just local government. I think a lot of people think that when we 
talk about politics in America, we tend to focus in on the federal government. And that makes a lot of sense. But one of the reasons why I've always been a local government person is because the government that we kind of interact with most, you know, it's not, it's very rare that I run into a federal official in my day-to-day life. But if you think about it, you run into uh, city government just as soon as you walk out the door, everything from the streets to the garbage, to fire, to police, the parks, to I, I could go on. So that's the most tangible thing. Even local government, which I like because it's so tangible, it's just big and complex. You know, uh, I always kind of thought of Portland as being a small town. One of the things I've learned since I've been in this job is that Portland is a much bigger town than I uh, ever appreciated. You say it's a big job and city government is a big job. Because of our form of government, your job is actually probably bigger than most people realize or assume. Our city commissioners, going to explain this for my listeners, not for you, I know you know this, are both legislators and executives. You're not just a member of the city council who votes on city ordinances and sets the budget. You are a city commissioner for various bureaus. Our system puts our five city commissioners, four city commissioners and the mayor in the position of having to be executives as well as legislators. So what is that like mixing those two functions? Oh, my gosh, Shaq. It is fascinating, a ton of fun and completely unsustainable, both on a human level and I think on a municipal level. To put it into perspective for your listeners, I'm the commissioner in charge of the Water Bureau. I'm the commissioner in charge of uh, environmental services, which a lot of your listeners probably think of as the um, Sewer Bureau. And I'm the commissioner in charge of the Bureau of Emergency Communications, which is uh, basically uh, 911. Which is another way of saying I'm the chief operating officers for two major utilities, like two utilities that burn through about a billion dollars a year each. And then I run a giant and crucial call center on top of that. And then in my um, my spare time, and I'll put that in scare quotes, you know, I'm a member of city council who deals with every issue that, you know, comes from um, city council, everything from budgets for the entire city to what's going to be the fate of these statues that have uh, came down a couple of months ago to policies about leave time for city employees. So these are two fundamentally different jobs. In the private sector, you wouldn't hire a CEO to run both the, let's say, the natural gas utility and the electric utility. The fact that we squish both of those jobs into one elected official who frankly, does not have a background in running utilities is remarkable. Um, And I'd also point out, I know we try not to talk, get too wonky about policy here, but I I do think that this is one of the things that's holding back Portland's commission form of government. I was going to steer clear of anything that might be potentially controversial, but you've already indicated that you are implicitly on the side of a reform movement, which it does exist right now, which is to change our form of municipal government away from this. You're experiencing it directly and you're saying it's not sustainable. I mean, we've sustained it for over hundred years in Portland, but why specifically is it not sustainable? Well, the problem here is that, you know, probably a lot of your listeners think that we have one mayor and four members of city council, but in practice under the commission form of government, where each member of council is in charge of a couple of bureaus, what we really have are five different mayors, um, each in charge of their own sort of small fiefdom. Um, And maybe that could work. It doesn't work in situations where the problems that our city faces are complex and intertwined. And let's take one example, and it's probably the example top of mind for uh, most of your listeners, which is homelessness, right? Uh, And you might think that homelessness is a 
pretty straightforward thing. All you need to do is build more houses and uh, or have homeless services and you're all set. But if you've ever interacted with um, our neighbors who live on the street, you know that homelessness is a complex issue. You know, it's a housing problem for sure, but it's also especially in, Port- in Portland, it's a mental health issue and it's a public safety issue. If you're camping in the parks, it's a parks issue. If you're pa- uh, camping on a sidewalk, that's the right of way, which is a PBOT issue, the Transportation Bureau. So if you want to have a comprehensive uh, approach to solving the city's problem, you got to have multiple different bureaus coming together uh, with a common vision and plan, uh, which means having multiple different city commissioners come together and have a common vision and plan. And our form of government is specifically designed to prevent us from doing that. If each of these bureaus was headed by a person who, say, was appointed, and then those appointees were overseen by a single mayor or by the city council as a whole, then there would be the ability to kind of break out of those silos. How many different bureaus are there involved in just one issue of homelessness? Six, at least. Oh, yeah. Two two or three different commissioners who are, as you say earlier, juggling different commissions. So it's not hard to imagine why this is unsustainable. And it definitely makes me appreciate the fact that working seven days a week is probably not even enough. Oh, it's not. How do you do it? Like you're in the job and until this system changes, it's the job is the job. So what do you personally do to try to be as effective as possible? I can tell by what I read of you and just looking at you on the screen here and talking to you that you're a person who really cares and wants to do well here. How does a person who wants to do well survive this unsustainable system? Well, first, you um, have to be explicit about the problem. And one good thing about this current council is I think almost everybody sees the um, challenges and flaws in our commission form of government. This is something that uh, we talk about amongst elected officials all the time. Uh, We recognize the problem, and then we have to coordinate and work together to overcome it. So, for example, Commissioner Dan Ryan and I uh, both run uh, uh, bureaus that issue permits. And one of the challenges in the city of Portland is that one of our other flaws is we're terrible at getting permits out in a timely and affordable fashion. And one of the reasons for that is we have, I think, 16 different programs in the city that issue permits, and they're probably under six or seven different bureaus. Commissioner Ryan and I kind of recognize that we're fighting the very structure of our government. What we're trying to do is come together, and it's not just Commissioner Ryan and I, everyone who issues a permit or runs a bureau that issues a permit is part of this discussion. We're trying to figure out how we can work together despite our form of government. The, let's take an example, like the Fire Bureau issues permits, and I over at Water issue permits too. Uh, but, um, you know, we might have completely different websites. We might have completely different procedures for doing that. We're trying to impose some order and coordination on a system that is inherently designed to get us siloed. And that permit story is repeated throughout the city. I think we're this is something council is doing fairly well at. Uh, um, on houselessness services too, very same thing. Uh, you know, the mayor owns a piece, the mayor owns Hucker, which are the people who go out and help clean up camps. Dan Ryan has most of the housing portfolio, but you know, people camp in parks and on sidewalks. So that means you have four different city commissioners who own a piece of houselessness policy. And a lot of what your elected officials on city council do every day, and a lot of what our staffs do every day, or have these ongoing conversations about how we can work together to accomplish a single goal. And a lot of times, you know, one of the frustrating things is a lot of time we're not so much focused on the specific problem of, you know, how can we find housing for people? It's 
we're having discussions about how can we overcome our own procedures and bureaucracies in order to coordinate together. Um, because we have maybe different timelines, we have different budgets, we might have different priorities. You know, one of the other kind of subtle but actually harmful things is, is you know, as your water commissioner person, I really kind of, I have water and environmental services. Um, so I'm an infrastructure guy. And I kind of view the world because of the nature of that responsibility, I kind of view the world from um, an infrastructure perspective. On the other hand, if you are, um, you know, Commissioner, let's say uh, Rubio, you know, she kind of owns the arts portfolio, which is a kind of a culture portfolio and very different from infrastructure. So we have just very different pressures and literally look at the world through a different frame, or at least our work encourages us to, to do that. Everyone in council is very, very smart and can kind of right. see beyond the structures that we have. And I can and see how even, even if you want to come together and work together. You do have those different perspectives. Plus also you're, you have a lot on your plate. One of the things I will note is that in order to reform this system would be to rewrite the city charter yep. and you on the city as city council members, as legislators, you have that power. But I don't imagine that reforming the city charter can ever bubble close to the top of your to-do list in such a busy portfolio of uh, work. So there's a kind of a deep paradox there that one available fix to the unsustainable commissioner system is through the commissioners themselves. But it, it really, I mean, I, I appreciate the fact that even if you wanted to do that, that's a huge thing, right? It's writing a constitution for a city, for a, it, a major city. It absolutely is. And um, while you're right in that there's a lot on our plates, this has to remain at the top of our priority list and certainly at the top of my priority list. And there's uh, good news here, Jack. Yeah. Every 10 years, the city comes together to look at its charter and uh, we form a citizens committee that takes a look at the charter, hears some criticisms of it and comes up with a set of proposals. And actually that independent citizens group is the body that will ultimately send a set of proposals to the voters, I believe, almost probably 53 weeks from now, at the November 2022 election, uh, we will have an initiative um, on the ballot specifically on charter reform. And frankly, it's not going to be designed by uh, city council. It's going to be designed by the citizens group. And it's a little bit outside the work of what it's literally, it's not a little bit, it's completely outside the work that council normally does. Although as a, just a Portlander, this is something which is very important to me in my analysis, the single step that we could take to make our city better would be to reform our commission form of government. We're literally the last city of our size in America to organize ourselves this way. And one of the reasons why I work 10 hours a day, seven days a week is because at night and on weekends, I'm out there talking to people about why we need to think about um, reinventing the city and reinventing the charter for the 21st century. We just got to get this done. If we don't, we are literally doomed to the status quo until the mid-2030s. You're listening to the Pothole Problem Podcast, created by White Tiger Productions. At White Tiger Productions, we create experiences. If you have an idea for a podcast, a workshop, or a show of any kind, we'll help you go from concept to execution. We provide creative direction and production support. We've got a podcast studio, writers and storytellers, sound engineers and editors, designers, videographers, hosts, creative coaches, everything you need to manifest your creative potential. You name it or even vaguely describe it, and we'll take you from dream to finished product. White Tiger Productions. You can do what you think, and we can help you. Visit us at youcandowhatyouthink.com and tell us what you're thinking about. Another thing about this, too, is you talk about out there talking to the citizens. 
each of you is elected at large. And so your yeah. constituency is the entire city of Portland. It took me a while to get an interview with you because oh. you have so many constituents. When I talk to state legislators, when I email them, they have 60 or 70,000 constituents. Yeah. Senators have 120. You know, these are people who are at allegedly a higher level of government than you at the state level who have far fewer constituents and therefore are just easier to reach because they are less busy. And that's another thing I think that is a tough thing about our system is that not only do we have a big city and you guys are busy working 10 hour days, but it means that you don't get to do what a lot of elected officials like to do, which is connect with the community. Uh, you're absolutely right. Certainly the lifestyle of being on city council in many ways is isolating and lonely because uh, there is so much work to do. But that's also um, something that we can and I suspect will fix through the charter reform process. Uh, that citizens group has been meeting for about a year now. I believe literally in the last week or so, they put out some initial recommendations. And one of the recommendations is that they um, expand the number of seats on council. So we'll have a power to say, you know, maybe we have, should have a strong mayor. Maybe we should have a uh, city manager that kind of facilitate coordination amongst uh, different bureaus. And then the, the other set of recommendations that they're thinking about is exactly what you talked about, taking a look at the size of city council and how we elect them. And it seems like they've come down so far on the uh, side of expanding the size of city council. And the other question is, and I don't know where they've landed on this, and they probably haven't landed anywhere quite yet, is do you continue to ask everybody to run citywide or do you do district-based elections? We could divide the city up into quadrants or so we could have neighborhood-based electoral districts so that, you know, folks who live in outer southeast might have a voice on council and folks who live in North Portland might have a voice that, was, that uh, works on council. That makes a lot of sense. I, I sorry to interrupt you because I, I am mindful of your time and I have a feeling that you and I could have an hours-long discussion of oh, theory easily. about yeah, at yeah, the yeah. city level. Uh, it would be fascinating. I will put the link in the show notes so that our listeners can go directly to these recommendations. And I assume there's contact information that will allow people to have input in this process because I, I don't imagine that they're working in a black box. Not, they sure uh, not. You can actually go to their website and uh, submit testimony. They have meetings. I'm sure they have several meetings a month. So if you want to zoom into one of those meetings and actually provide oral testimony, you can do that. And if you want to just catch up on what that committee has been doing for the past year, uh, I think all their meetings have been videotaped in our on online. So I encourage anyone who uh, cares about the future of Portland, go check out the important work the Charter Review Committee is doing. Yeah. And I will note too, that it's pretty rare to have a kind of an opportunity to reform a, a government at any level to such an extent. And it's, it, it is probably well past due here in Portland, but it's also exciting that we have a system of government that empowers this to happen every 10 years. So now I, I do want to ask you the question I ask all of my guests, what is something that used to outrage you and no longer does. And importantly, why the change? The reason I ask why the change is because I want to see what's a path forward for us to get out of the things that outrage us. That's a great question, Jack. And, you know, I'm lucky in my, I don't know if it's my genetics or whatnot, but my temperament, I tend not to be outraged. But I do experience frustration and whatnot. And I've always been kind of circumspect and uh, I try to be sympathetic. But I certainly understand uh, people's frustration, and in the context of Portland, frustration and rage with elected officials. And I've had certainly felt some version of that. Um, I won't lie to you, you know, that's obviously one of the things that sort of fueled my decision to throw my hat in the ring and run for Portland City Council. But I'll tell you, and I knew this before, but I just I literally know it now because it's the reality of my day to day is that your elected officials, you know, your civil servants are 
really trying their best. You know, these are, even though you might just see them on TV or your social media feeds, you know, the mayor, members of city council, the county chair, the DA, governor, these are all human beings uh, who are working, you know, within a governmental framework. So they're constrained by resources, and ordinances and laws and the realities that they they face. Um, I'll, I'll, this is literally the truth, Jack. I have not met any elected official or any city of Portland employee who really wasn't dedicated to um, trying to make the city better. I, I also tell you, like every day I confront elected officials and city employees who are implementing policies that I think are not the best, but I have some empathy for why we're there, uh, why we have these different conflicts. You know, sometimes it's about philosophy, sometimes it's literally just about different institutional interests. You know, if you talk to me, I'm I'm your water sewer 911 guy. And that kind of, that's the lens that I see the world through. But I could be a the police commissioner and that would be a different lens. Or I could be the parks commissioner and that would kind of give me a different set of concerns. So I know everyone's working really hard, doing their best. And I also know and it's that they're really talented. You don't, you don't get to be an elected official or um, run a significant government program if you work pretty smart and didn't work really hard. And I try to respect that. Um, and I have more respect for that today than I ever have in my life. It's good to hear from the inside that when you're interacting with these people in a human way, you know, person to person, face to face, or sometimes now Zoom to Zoom, that's yeah, yeah. that's 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 become a personal connection uh, in the world that we live in now. But as opposed to seeing politics from the outside, those frustrations are tempered by understanding and empathy and just the fact that human beings are human beings. It's really easy to look on a screen or listen on, a, on the radio or look on a Twitter feed and not see human beings and just see their actions that are yeah. outraging or their inactions. And you, what you said, I've heard from almost everybody who works in government is that everybody's good hearted, they're doing their best and they're smart, talented people. And it's hard. And you've given us some perspective, particularly on why your job is not just that, okay, it's it's a hard job, but why structurally it's maybe harder than it should be, or maybe yeah. not even maybe. It's 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 harder than it should be. And so yeah, if you know, I'm I'm a voter in Portland. And if I'm frustrated with you, Mingus Maps, Commissioner Maps, I'm going to be frustrated with you. I'm gonna maybe totally. maybe you maybe you take an approach that I don't like, but it it is then hard when you're a distant figure for me to temper that with the human side, which is, oh, yeah. you're a guy who yeah. has to get up every morning and drink this coffee or not. I mean, I don't know how much coffee you drink. Uh, if I were in your job, there it is. and you have to have a family and friends and a life yeah. and you have to refresh yourself. It's very easy to see you as not being human yeah. until we're around you. And I appreciate the, the fact that you point that out because it never hurts to have that uh, reminder, even though it's pretty obvious and simple insight. It never hurts to be reminded of that. Thanks. No, I'll just point out, I think this is, um, in some ways that can sound trite, but in an age of social media, which I do think tends towards dehumanizing folks that you disagree with, um, that lesson is particularly important. Um, I think a lot of the dynamics of our political culture at this point are shaped by the rise of Twitter and Facebook and the kinds of discourse we see there. I actually think increasingly that's been a dangerous, a dangerous development. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to regulate our way or regulate social media to the point that this issue will go away. I think that the solution here might be about personal growth within everybody to just kind of recognize that we are human beings. We're all members of the same community. We are literally in the same boat and we're we live in the same city. We live on the same planet. This is not a zero-sum game, or it doesn't need to be. Um, and if we reduce it to a zero-sum game, frankly, we all lose. 
it's interesting too, I think, because social media gives us the ability to connect with people we're not physically present to. And that could be a very community forging experience. Yet, as you say, we ha- kind of have to learn how to do it. People say stuff on Twitter and on Facebook that they would never in their life say to that person if that person was in the room. And part of it is that we have to learn how to behave in this space that we haven't been trained to behave in. And, yeah. and it's and I think that to, you know, the regulatory question is a tough one. I just spoke to a state legislator who is also essentially saying social media has been really bad for our political discourse. And I was like, well, what do we do about it? And she, she was like, well, I don't know if we can regulate it. It's like it, it's it's really it's a cultural issue in a way. Yeah. We have to develop our culture to the point where the way we interact with each other is the way that our parents would be proud to see us interacting with somebody in person. I think you're exactly uh, right, Jack. And I think that's very much some of the cultural and personal work that we all face as we head into this next year in particular. This is not a distant problem. This is um, a today problem. I appreciate you coming on the show and I thank you for all of your insights. Is there any last words you want to leave the listeners with? Anything you want to plug? Anything that's, that is going on? Uh, I want to plug two things. Uh, first, the charter review process that we talked about before. You know, this really is about the fate of our city. Um, if you don't like the way things are going, the solution is your participation. So please do look at Jack's link uh, to the Charter Review Committee for Portland. The other thing, I don't know when this is going to air, but the other thing that I encourage your listeners to pay attention to is that the uh, city is doing some end of the year making some end-of-the-year budgeting decisions, which will have, uh, I think, major um, implications for houselessness and public safety in our city in the very short term. Uh, we'll be holding hearings on that in early November. Um, I encourage you to both pay attention to that process because it really will have a huge impact on what our next year looks like. And uh, if you have passionate feelings about where the city should invest its resources, you will have an opportunity to either send us written testimony that lets us know where you think, or I think even more important, I'd encourage people to come down and participate in our public hearings. So you can, at this point, these are on Zoom. You can kind of just zoom in and uh, talk to council for two minutes. We'll hear you. And uh, actually those kind of testimonies make a huge difference. So uh, please participate in your local democracy. Um, That's the only way it gets better. I appreciate that. And one thing, you know, we did speak a little bit about making it seem like you guys are distant and busy, but it's also true that at the local government level, there's a a kind of accessibility that many people don't realize you really can have an impact by just showing up with your voice. Your two minutes of testimony does make a big difference. I'm always encouraging people to take that opportunity. Commissioner Mingus Maps, Mingus, thank you for being with me today. Really appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I'd be happy to come back anytime.